0: Welcome, we're at the Equip services tonight and the purpose of Equip is to actually equip each of us to not just hear the Word of God, but to be able to apply it because a lot of times the people that we meet, we're the first interaction they're going to have with Jesus or a Jesus follower. And so our heart is to equip you to not just go deeper in hearing the Word or Bible study, but then in applying the Word that you hear into your life um, so that you can impact people. Now, we need to be concerned about relationships. And we, the reason is because Jesus was very concerned about relationship. When he was here on earth, he encountered many people. In fact, crowds followed him wherever he went and he had to go up into the mountain to pray or he had to find a place to sleep. But in the midst of all that crowd, he found 12 men that he kept close to him in order to equip them so that he, they would carry out his mission. In fact, one of the final conversations that Jesus had with them, he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned, uh, everything I've learned from the Father, I've made known to you. And what Jesus did with that statement is he moved those 12 men much closer than servants, much closer than um, disciples. He moved them into Friendship. Now, like Jesus, we all have relationships that move from one level to the next in intimacy and depth of friendship. And I can remember, actually, many years ago when I was checking out that guy over there. I had moved here from the mainland, and um, I was the new kid in school, and I only needed three classes to graduate, and I wasn't the greatest student, so I took the three classes I needed to graduate, and then I filled the rest of my schedule with really non-essential classes, and one of them was photography. And at that time, the only camera I had ever touched was an Instamatic. So I get to the class, and the teacher decides that Tom needs to bring me and another girl up to speed. Well, I, I was flabbergasted, because I'm looking at this guy, and I think, man, this guy is so hot, and he's got incredible eyes. So. <laughs> He comes over, he's teaching us everything, and then when I went home, mom says, how's school? I said, oh, it was cool. She goes, Do you make any friends? I go, I met this guy. He is just so hot. Well, as things would go, he asked me out on a date. Okay, the man has got patience, because here's what happens. We had moved here from the mainland. My brothers had started watching a show called Robocon. I, I don't know if you guys know what that is. And He comes to pick me up to go to a football game, knocks on the door. My brothers are watching Robocon. My mom walks to the door, opens it, and goes, Robocon, shuts the door, and sits down. He didn't run. He actually knocked on the door again. So she goes over, opens the door. Now my auntie's there, so I'm introducing him to all of my family members and my mom decides to make this a memorable night so as i'm introducing him she says you must be the cute holly boy that marsha talks about all the time <laughs> well we continued to date and we moved towards going steady as we called it back in our day we broke up a couple of times decided we didn't like that we got engaged we were married we've been married for 35 years we had thank you we have three children And we're going on nine grandchildren. Now, with beginnings like we had, I can guarantee you that our life has been a journey. It has been a great journey. But here's the thing. All relationships are a journey of one kind or another. And that's what I want to spend some time with tonight. I want to zero in on how we can strengthen our relationships, specifically our marriages, and navigate the many seasons that we must travel as we grow in the depth of friendship and intimacy. Now, like I said, we um, celebrated our 35th wedding anniversary last weekend, and we were blessed in being able to go to Honolulu. Now, he grew up in Honolulu, I lived there for a while, but it's been quite a while since we've driven there. So to get to the hotel, we decided, I decided, that we would GPS the directions. Now, I love GPS because you plug in your location where you're at, Then you plug in the place you want to go, and then this voice tells you where to go. And as long as you listen to that voice, it's easy sailing. Because every now and then you'll hear, in quarter mile, prepare to hang to the right. In 100 feet, turn to the left. Now here's how it works. You have to put in your location, where you're starting, where you're ending. But you have to listen. If you don't listen, what you hear is recalculating root, recalculating root over and over. Now, we can apply this principle to our marriage. We need to know where we're going in our marriage in order to move in a healthy direction and stay on course. And we should have a vision for our marriage, a picture of what it will look like and how we will function in it. Without a vision or something to aim for in our marriage, our marriages will struggle and they'll drift along as we hope for the best. The writer of Proverbs in 29:18 um, says, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So if you want to have a fruitful and healthy marriage relationship, then the first thing you need to do is have a vision for your marriage. We need a direction to head in, and vision does that. It gives us a measuring tool to gauge how we're doing, but it gives us an area to head to. And then we're gonna know how we're doing in our marriage, if we're achieving what we're hoping for or not. In fact, before we go any further, I'm gonna ask you something. What do you want your marriage to look like? Even if you've been married for 35 years, if you've been married for 10 years, if you're getting married, if you've been married for 10 years, five years, if you're thinking about getting married, if you're single and say, someday I'm gonna be married, what do you want your marriage to look like? So I'm going to ask you to do something. At the top of your notes, I want you to write down what you want your marriage to look like 10 years from now. Now, if you're not married, you can still do this. Okay? You can do this because either you want to get married, and again, what do you want that to look like? Or you're like, no way, that's not for me. I don't want to be married. But you have other relationships. You have relationships with your family. You've got relationships with your friends, with your boss. You've got relationships with your children, with your siblings. What do you want that relationship to look like? Okay, so you write that down. And I'm going to do, for me, what I want in a couple of years is I want to be best friends still. Okay, I want to be able to still laugh. Believe me, we laugh a lot. And then, this is going to sound selfish, but I want to know 10 years from now that he has my best interests in mind. And I'll get to that later, okay? So write down what it is that you want your marriage to look like 10 years from now or whatever relationship that you care about. And then at the bottom, I want you to write what your marriage looks like now or what relationship you're in looks like now. And here's where it gets, you've got to be totally honest, Okay. You can't sit and go, well, it looks good. You've got to be honest. And so, for example, I'm going to put down that I want to be best friends with Tom, but if I'm really honest, I have very high expectations. Um, I'm not needy, but I have high expectations. So I'm going to put that at the bottom. And the reason we're going to do that is You need to know, just like the GPS, where you are, and where you're headed to to have a healthy marriage. Now, in the book, The Principle of the Path, author and lead pastor Andy Stanley wrote this, your direction, not your intention, determines your destination. So you will not end up where you want to be 10 years from now based solely on your desire. The direction you're headed in, the decisions you're making, the actions you're taking right now is what will determine where you are 10 years from now. So let me repeat. Direction, um, Direction, not intention, determines your destination. It's like this. If I want to walk towards my husband, I would walk this way. If I tell you my intention is to walk towards my husband, but I'm walking this way, I ain't going to get where I want to go. My intention is here, My direction is here." Now in his book, Stanley continued saying, there is often a tension between where we want to end up in life and the path we choose to get there. We we fail to see that having good intentions is never good enough. We begin selling ourselves on what we want to do rather than what we ought to do. We listen to ourselves until we believe our own lies And then we opt for happiness. We don't drift in good directions. We discipline and prioritize ourselves there. In other words, we need to discipline ourselves to get from point A to point B. It's not just going to happen because I hope this happens. That means we're going to need to make some very difficult choices. Now, it helps to have a vision for your marriage because vision helps us to measure our choices and if we're getting to where we want to be. It gives us a way to measure if the choices that I'm making today will take me in the direction I want for my future. So what do you want your marriage to look like in the future? What are the hard decisions you're making now to make sure that you get there? So if I want Tom to be my best friend 10 years from now, what am I doing to build intimacy today? You see the one that I'm sharing my hopes, my dreams, and my fears with? Do I make him feel safe to share his hopes, dreams, and fears with me? Do I choose time with him over time with the girls or my friends? Do I make him feel that the time I spend with him is valuable and precious to me? Now, I'm going to admit, I struggle with that one. Because like I said, I have um, eight grandchildren, another one on the way. And I'm a grandma. I love being a grandma. It's like, that's what I want to be. We were blessed to be able to go to Honolulu for our anniversary this past weekend. And we were staying at this really awesome hotel. Every time I turned around, I had to stop myself from saying, oh, Peyton would just love this. But as many times as I stopped myself, there were twice as many times that I actually said those words. Or there were times when he would see something that was constructed really well, or that was very creative. Or we saw excellent, excellent um, service. And we had to prevent ourselves from talking about work and ministry. Because even though it's not wrong to talk about that, if we're gonna be best friends in 10 years, then we have to talk about a lot more than that. We have to share more than that. And for us, that's a discipline. It's a conscious choice that we need to make consistently. Now, the Apostle Paul understood that. He said um, if we're gonna accomplish our vision for lives, he knew that we would need to make hard choices. So he wrote to Timothy, the man he was discipling, have nothing to do with worldly fables fit only for old women. On the other hand, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. He taught Timothy that he would need to discipline himself to achieve his goal. Timothy would need to ignore the comfortable things, the things that bring him pleasure, and choose the harder choices of discipline and control to achieve his future. The word discipline means to bring to a state of order and obedience by training and control. In other words, when I discipline my choices and my actions and decisions, I'm bringing them to a state of order. I'm bringing them to the vision that I have for my marriage. And this is key, because remember, direction, not intention, determines destination. So what am I doing now? How do I treat my husband, or how do I speak to him? If I'm spending all my time um, away from home and from him, and I'm spending time away from here, then how am I gonna get here? I can't get here without focusing on this here. So in other words, if I wanna be best friends with Tom, but I'm, that means I have to head this way, but if I'm always on electronics, or I'm always with my friends, I'm always doing other things, I'm going to head this way, and I won't end up where I want to be. If I want Tom to have my best interests at heart, but I make him feel very unsafe and not able to take care of me, or I'm like independent or whatever, pretty soon I'm heading over here. And 10 years from now, I'm wondering, how come I don't see this? By measuring my choices and decisions to my marriage, I can determine if I reach my, where I want to be. Now, earlier I mentioned that 10 years from now, I want to know that he has my best interests at heart. And I admit that sounds very selfish. But actually, it's a command from God. So I'm going to ask you to turn to me to the book of Ephesians, chapter 5. And as Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, he was actually giving them instructions on how to live in his culture how to relate to people, how to relate to their children, how to relate to their workers and all that. But in this passage, he zeroes in on the marriage relationship. So we're gonna start in verse 21. And he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is savior. Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy. The entire marriage relationship is built upon this command to submit to one another. In other words, husbands, before meeting your needs, before taking care of your desires, be sure that your wife is taken care of respect and value her opinions. And wives, before we take care of the things that are important to us, we need to check how our husbands are doing. How do they feel about what we're doing? We need to respect and value their opinions. One of the benchmarks that we can use to see if we're headed in the right direction to fulfill our vision for our marriages is to see how we're doing and honoring each other. See, when each of us honors and respects our spouse, then we're free enough to put our needs aside in order to care for and meet the needs of our spouse. And because there's a mutual honoring going on, both spouses are assured that their needs, desires, and concerns are not being ignored. Now, last week, we were privileged to have the Katinas right here on this stage uh, performing their Love Chapter concert with us. Now, that was a great concert, and I loved it. But what was neat for me it was earlier in the day, the, um, our worship team got to meet with them and ask them questions about how they prepare their hearts for worship, how they get ready. And I got to be part of that lunch. And somebody asked this question. They asked them, How is it that you prepare yourselves to worship? And I was expecting, you know, like I pray X amount of hours, I fast, I, you know, I do all these things. But the answer was so simple that i just kind of been thinking about it over and over. And what he said was, first off, worship is a lifestyle. I start getting ready for worship by honoring my wife, by taking care of my family. You want to know the quickest way, the easiest way to begin honoring your spouse? The minute you walk out of this um, room, and the minute you start heading towards your door, your car doors, quit thinking that you're right all the time. See, when I think that I'm right, I'm the only one who has the right answers, that everything has to be done my way and to my liking. Now, I know that none of you have that problem. I, on the other hand, am the oldest girl with three brothers, four children in the house. And the only way I was going to survive with three brothers was to never, ever, ever be wrong or admit it. So I have issues. Well, a few weeks ago, Tom was grabbing the shampoo and conditioner, he wanted to go shower. And we're getting on in our years, and so he wasn't using his glasses, and he's walking by me in the room, and he says, which one's the conditioner? So I looked at it, and I said, the one with the brown cap. And he looks down, and he goes, you mean gray? I said, no, brown, the brown one. And then he goes, it looks gray to me. And then he walks into the room, and I'm like, The man is colorblind. Oh, my gosh. How is he going to drive? He's colorblind. And I'm grumbling to myself, to myself, not to God. I wasn't speaking to God. I didn't want to hear from him. I just wanted to grumble. But in the midst of my grumbling, you know what I heard? How come he's wrong? How come he has to be the one that's colorblind? What if it's you? Why do you always have to be right? Now, I know that sounds like a small thing. But I had started down the slippery slope of being the one who is always right. My heart was beginning to show signs of dishonoring Tom by demanding and expecting that I would be the only right person. And grumbling under my breath about such a really, really, really trivial incident could only invite poison into the relationship. Seriously. What did it matter what color the cap was? Why couldn't I have simply answered him without correcting him or grumbling when he walked in the bathroom to shower. I can guarantee you that if I was wrong, the world wasn't going to stop spinning, and no one was going to show up on my doorstep with a million dollars. And if I'm honest, you know why it bothered me? Because I needed to be right. I wasn't honoring my husband. And if I didn't catch what was starting to happen in my heart, I would have had to be right the next time, and the next time, and the next time, and the time after that. And it would have eventually gone on to affect whether I honored him in my heart where nobody sees. And from there, it would have affected how I spoke to him and treated him. And Jesus addressed this when he said, a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for their mouth speaks what the heart is full of. My heart would have eventually leaked into my words and actions, and it would have eventually taken me off the path towards the marriage that I want to have. In his letter to the church at Philippi, Paul wrote this. He says, do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. See, he was reminding them to put others first, to treat others with admiration and respect. Now, as a great philosopher, Olaf the Snowman said to Anna in the Disney movie Frozen, when she said, I don't even know what true love is anymore. And he says, love is putting someone else's needs before yours. One of the benchmarks that will keep me on the right path to a healthy marriage is a standard of being other-centered in expressing honor to my spouse. See, no matter what my intention is for my marriage, each time that I disrespect my husband, I head off the path towards a healthy marriage. I may want to be here, here, but I'm heading this way. I may think that this is where I'm going to end up 10 years from now, but if I'm rude, If I'm snappy, if I'm always right, I'm going to be here. And I'm never going to end up where I want to be. Remember, it's the direction, the things that I'm doing, not the intention, the things that I want to happen that determine my destination. And when I continuously measure to my vision for my marriage, I will stay on the path towards the marriage that I hope for. And I'll do that by having a vision for the marriage, by being other-centered and honoring my spouse, and then investing time in my marriage. Now someone once said that the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence, it's greener where you water it. And we all know why that's true, because that's where the effort, the nutrients, and everything else is going. And that's true of plants, it's true of gardening, and it's very, very true of relationships. The relationship that you invest in is the one that's going to be fruitful and healthy. Now, I'm gonna be honest. We all have very important lives and very, very important arenas in our lives that call for attention. We've got our families. We've got our husbands, our children. Some of us have um, older parents that we're taking care of. We have jobs. We have ministries. We have health issues. We have um, sports. None of them are less important, and none of them need to be neglected or ignored. But every time you commit to something you make yourself unavailable to something else so every single time that you say yes to something you said no to something else you had to and there's nothing wrong with that we're created in a way that we can only be in one place at a time we can't be everywhere so every yes that we say is a no somewhere else That's why it's very important to make wise decisions about where you spend your yeses. Now to help you decide where to spend your time, where to invest your yeses, ask yourself two questions. One, by saying yes to this, what am I saying no to? And then be sure that whatever you have said yes to at this moment is more important than everything else that you've said no to. Then the second question, when I think of the path I'm on and the marriage I want to have, will this yes keep me on the path towards a strong and fruitful marriage, or will it take me off course? See, sometimes, as we're heading towards the marriage we want, we have to say yes to late nights at the office. Sometimes. But if we say yes to late nights at the office every single night, then I am saying no to my family. And by saying no to my family, I'm saying no to this. Some of us are in sports. You're committed to a team. Sometimes you have to say yes. I'm going to be at a tournament on the weekend. But if you say no every single weekend, then every single weekend that you're saying yes to the tournament, you're saying no to building quality time with your spouse and building the marriage that you want. Every yes is a no summer. So in order to have the intimacy and in marriage that we want, in order for our marriages to be strong and to bear the fruit that we need, we need to be wise in what we're saying yes and no to. Now as you decide where you want to invest your yeses, let me encourage you to take the advice of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. He said, be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Every decision that we make, there needs to be wisdom behind it. Every yes that I say, I need to put wisdom behind it. Every no that I say, I need to put wisdom behind it. Last week, the Katinas taught us that love is a verb, it's an action word that should lead our emotions. It's not a feeling that should dictate our actions. He said that it's a verb. So I'm going to ask you, set a vision for our marriage. Be other-centered in expressing love. Invest our time wisely, and then we will verb love our way into the marriage that we want. You can close your Bibles, put away your notes. You know, if you haven't already signed up for the Art of Marriage this weekend, then I encourage you to do so. It's gonna be an awesome time. And I was reading some statistics as I was preparing this. 50% of marriages end in divorce. And then I was curious about Christian marriages. 51% of Christian marriages end in divorce. We need to turn that tide around. Because like I said earlier, we are often the first interaction that, Jesus, that people have with Jesus. And if we don't look different from the world, then what hope can we bring? And we start that in our families. We start that in our marriages. So I want to encourage you, if you haven't already signed up, please do stop by the information center. um, Call the office tomorrow. And I just found out from Shana that um, we had said there was a uh, late registration. If you registered after um, today, no. We so want you to be here that it's the same price um, late or not. So go ahead and register for that. We're going to actually set this room up. We're going to move the chairs out, put tables in so that you can sit and we can snack while you're listening to all that really good advice. Uh, So um, I just want to encourage you to be here. I'm going to ask Sheldon Ishii to come up. Um, He's going to give us some instruction. We're going to close in prayer. The worship team is going to come out um, and then lead lead us in song and uh, Sheldon will give us some instructions. If you can stay and help us um, stack the chairs, we could use the help uh, so we can get ready for the conference this weekend. Would you bow your heads and let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you so much. Thank you that you first loved us and you called us into a relationship with you. And Lord, our marriages are a picture of the relationship of your father with the bride, which is the church. Help us to have strong marriages. Help us to example that to a world that needs hope. Help us to show your love, your patience, and your kindness. And Lord, whether it's in marriage or any other relationship, would we take these principles, would we apply them so that we are a people who look like Jesus to everyone around us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.